Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Hello, brother. This is NWA WCW enhancement talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cyan Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. This, uh, yet again, is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Soy. I am Soy, and with me, as always, he is the Scream 1 uh, to my Scream 3, which is by far the worst of the movie series, isn't it? He is the Millionaire's Club to my new blood. He is the Podfather himself, and today he is the birthday boy Mr. Mags, happy birthday, sir. How are you doing? Birthday, mate. I love it. Yeah, unfortunately, for it's my birthday. One year older, one year closer to death. Uh, yeah, <laughs> been a, a solid day so far. Appreciate all the love uh, that I've got on, on Twitter about it, though. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's the same. With, with fucking COVID and lockdown, all the days been the same, so it could have been my birthday yesterday for all I know. It could have been the day before I've done exactly the same kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's been, but it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, and you, as you it share, sounds. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you share your birthday with um, my middle daughter, who's fourteen today, and she's in a similar scenario. Really, she's been lucky enough that one of her friends rode her bike over and left something in the driveway as a present for her so oh know, that's that's really cool yeah it was that was lovely that was really good um she's been spoiled rotten by the family and her grandparents and and so on yeah. so yeah I mean, she's, she's that's, that's for me that's what birthday is about i've never been uh, anyone who's really bothered about my own birthday but other people's birthdays it, it and especially like kids it's that it's that's when you really kind of a birthday means something done it so yeah, uh, so happy birthday to you, to uh, your daughter. I hope she had a great day. Well, as far as I know, I uh, I started a new job today, Mags, as I mentioned just before we first recorded. So only uh, yeah. so only a week's trial, like well, f- well, four days worth of a trial. Um, uh, I'll be honest, mate. It's I-, I think it's the coldest I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> uh, I'm effectively working outdoors, even though I'm indoors. Um, yeah. They've got the big shutter door open and doors at the back end open um and oh, this so this window just whip through that oh it's, oh, and it's, it's bitter mate it's it hurts oh. and i'm lumping stuff around and you're, you're putting things down and catching your fingertips um and then also to top it off i'm dodging uh pigeon crap 
because there's loads of yes. pigeons who live in the top of the uh, in the top of the warehouse in, in the rafters so to speak i suppose um so they're crapping all over the place and gloucester today was given a very nice gentle dusting of snow my friend earlier on um wow. i was in theory under the roof but yet still getting snowed on because there's holes in the ceiling so it's it, saved in that man oh you want to get your union rep in man um, if I do, I won't be allowed to stay on, and I need this job. <laughs> that is true. That is very <laughs> true. I will tolerate Don't the pigeon shit the ball. and the snow. <laughs> do not rock the ball. <laughs> no, I will tolerate the pigeon shit and the snowflakes, mate. Trust me, I need this job. <laughs> Speaking, we, we've, of... had, we've had snow up here for a couple of days now, uh, on and off. And yesterday was some of the biggest snowflakes I have ever seen in my life. They, they were like the size of like an orange. They were huge snowflakes, size of an orange. Yeah, like like a size, but almost size of like a a little fist. Yeah, they were huge. Strafe, isn't that like one of the signs of like the end of the world or something? <laughs> the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, or like wasn't it? Um, I might be wrong, but wasn't it that? Was it nineteen eighty or nineteen eighty one? The Flash Gordon film came out, and they had massive snowballs and uh, uh, snowflakes coming down in some of the countries there when Ming was invading or something. You may well be right. I can't remember. I mean, I watched the film, but I can't remember it. I watched it back very recently with one of the kids. Sat there thinking, same as the A Team, uh, same as Knight Rider and Airwolf. I sit the kids down and come watch this. I loved this when I was little. You're going to really enjoy this. And about half hour, yeah, half hour in, I'm thinking, oh, I'm so embarrassed right now because <laughs> it was freaking dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we mentioned the kids there and you sharing your birthday with uh, my middle daughter, Livy. A few other birthdays shared with you mags in case you didn't know okay. uh classy freddie blassie born on the uh, same day i was aware correct uh, jim neidhart yeah sensational sherry yeah uh, the big show ah uh, the big show uh bull meccano really i didn't know i weren't aware of bull meccano so yeah it's a, it's a very wrestling centric day is uh it is february the 8th it is uh chris masters oh well that's a letdown Bad luck, Farley. Really? The, yeah. The wrong general. Indeed. And finally, the high-class in-ring performer that was Bushwhacker Luke. Well, so, I mean, there you he, go. he's a favourite of chain wrestling, so I'm, I'm so <laughs> happy with that. Uh, um, I, well, 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 since you're the birthday boy, Mags, we'll... Uh, We'll um, leave the decision up to you where we go first. A couple of things were mentioned on our social medias over the last couple of days. One was people's odd food takes, and one was I was going to explain to people about my cat's traumatic 24 hours. Which way do you want to go first, my friend? Well, you can't leave a story hanging like uh, a traumatic 24 hours for a cat, especially a cat that doesn't act like a cat. Um, very so- true. So, yeah, we'll go with the cat story. Okie doke. Basically, people online have probably seen the images of Lemmy, my stupid ginger cat. Um, I call him stupid a lot, but I I don't mean it. I love him to bits. He's great. But he's just hard work. Uh, And he likes to jump up and sleep on top of the boiler. Um, The issue there is, as people have probably seen on the images, there's the big pipe that comes out the top of the boiler. Lemmy is naturally getting bigger because he's a growing cat. The boiler is not. 
So this space is getting effectively smaller and smaller for him. So now he's going to sleep on top of the boiler um, and he's always got a couple of paws hanging off or there's a big ginger arse hanging off the side because he can't seem to settle. <laughs> you know, I was watching the telly, um, what would it have been, Nightfall last potentially? And I heard this god-awful noise, then a big crash, and then Lemmy making a god-awful noise and he'd literally fallen off the boiler, hit the kitchen works up on the way down and was just led in a twisted ginger mess on the kitchen floor. Now, thankfully, he was fine. He was okay. He he sort of got up and hobbled around with a bit of a twisted leg for a bit, but he's absolutely fine and, and so on. He, he's okay. Um, but to top off his his traumatic day, I mean, he's not been back on top of the boiler since, which is ra- a rarity. He's up there all day. So he's obviously hopefully learned his lesson. But to top off uh, his traumatic evening, um, he ended up with me pissing on his head, mate. Um, now, hopefully, that's not just because you were you were like wanting to annoy your cat. Hopefully, there's more <laughs> context to that. <laughs> yeah, basically, he decided he was going to follow me around for a little bit. I needed the loo. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, make that very very clear. He followed me. It's not like I'm. It's, you know, it's not like I've got little Si out and I'm chasing my cat around the house. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like he's followed me. I'm stood there having a whiz and this little ginger head pops out of nowhere and decides to look what's going on. Um, and, and he sort of steps in midstream, shall we say, <laughs> and, end, and ends up having a little bit of an impromptu shower. Um, now that can happen because cats will have a look at what's going on with the noise or whatever, see what you're doing. The worrying thing is, and again, Lemmy being Lemmy, he didn't move. He just kind of stayed there. It was stayed warm. there. That's why. Yeah. Maybe. Perhaps I need to turn the heating up. Yeah, that's why he sat on boiler all the time. He's, yeah. he's the first to the heating. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he then runs off, and for the next five minutes or so, I'm screaming at the kids, don't touch Lemmy, don't go near Lemmy, whilst I'm chasing this stupid ginger prick around my house with a couple of baby wipes to try and clean the bugger up. And he's he's literally running around my house, covered in my pets. couple of baby wipes. <laughs> wow. Well, it's the first thing to happen, mate. I grab because I grab him, he's going to fight like fuck. Do you know what I mean? He's going to try and get away from me. So I grab these couple of baby wipes, I'm thinking I'll just give him a quick scrub down. Uh, on the plus side, it looks like I've washed off the car oil from the back of his head, though. So, you know, every, every cloud, I suppose. Who knew piss dissolves oil? There we go. <laughs> Um, I mean, for all that, Matt, the only takeaway that I've got from that story is that it proves that cats don't always land on their feet. No, definitely not. This one does not uh, on more than he does, basically. <laughs> it's a bit of a worry. There's something called wobbly cat syndrome, apparently, and cats can genuinely have it. He hasn't got that, but I'm beginning to think maybe he's got like a mild case of it or something because <laughs> he's just that, you know... Uh, there we go. There we go. Silly, silly Lemmy. Poor Lemmy. Poor, so, poor Lemmy. Um, shall we have a little discussion then about people's poor food choices, Mike? I've, I've been. I saw the post, and I know we've spoke about kind of that uh, in in integrating um, more conversation from Twitter into the show. And in theory, it's a good idea, but this kind of bullshit is going to trigger me, I think, because <laughs> if there's one thing I have enough of, it's poor food takes. When you, when you record a podcast with Paul Tolly and his horrific food takes, you just, you have all you can, you can stand. And now I've got to put up with on this. It's uh yeah, this is not a good, good way to celebrate one's birthday. Oh, well, Mr. Tolly, you know, he, he replied to the tweet. Of course he, he did. 
course he, said, he did. He said he's got no weird food takes. He is a lying bastard. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the old stock cubes there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He doesn't like crisps. Do you know that crisp made out of that salt and vinegar crisps? He won't eat them because they hurt his gums. I don't understand. Don't you chew them up? You don't like just No, this is this is this is Paul. He has horrific food takes. It's rare that he has a good food take. I don't understand how people can not because when there's so many different flavours and types, there must be a crisp that, that everyone likes, I'd have thought. He doesn't like any. He once said that he doesn't he doesn't enjoy food. He said food's not there to be enjoyed, it's there to be uh it's just fuel for your body. I mean that is <laughs> Welsh. He is Welsh though, so to be fair. Oh, we covered this before, didn't we? I'm going to dig at my, my supposed Welsh heritage because of my surname. Let's move on, Max. Let's move on. Uh, shall we start with MGB Mason? Okay. Um, he brings forward Taco Bell cinnamon swirls dipped in nacho cheese. Now, I've not tried a Taco Bell cinnamon swirl, but nacho cheese I do enjoy. What, what are your thoughts on that one, Max? Hmm. The, in theory, I like the elements of this, but I don't know if I would like the elements together. Uh, does cinnamon go with with cheese, and especially natural cheese? Uh, and yeah, also, cinnamon swirls are, are meant to be sweet. Um, na- I've never known a sweet natural cheese. Uh, so, yeah, that... I'm not going to poo-poo it, because it's something I, I would try... But it's it doesn't sound like it should go together. No, no, it seems a bit of an odd one to me too. But you know, each their own, I guess. Um, obviously, this started uh, initially with me putting a couple of takes up from people that I know. Um, somebody who is in my family, who I'm not going to name, um, used to enjoy eating watsits and ketchup sandwiches. Grim. That is. Yeah. Yeah, that even when I was a kid, I thought that was rank. Um, and somebody else I know, in fact, I think I know more than one person who does this, they have uh, potato waffles with their roast dinner. Yeah, and I, I just th- find that weird. Are they are children? Seriously, that's that something a child would do. This, this person I'm thinking of in particular, I used to play football with them, and they are one or two years younger than me, max. So I put them, what, 38 yeah, at their one. youngest? That I can't get my kind of brain around that. I would, if if the missus, or even if I served it up for for the missus and and plonked a, a potato waffle in the middle of a roast dinner, first of all she'd probably crack me, and then second of all she'd she'd just bit it. She'd just bin the waffle. Wouldn't it, it go soggy as well? Because you'd both be gravy, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Surely, you know, to me, if you're having a waffle or something like that, it's got to be crispy. You yeah, know? and you're chucking ba- uh, gravy on there. I was gonna say chucking bacon well, on it then. Well, then I suppose <laughs> if you have like a, a waffle uh, with like say an egg or some beans, they go, it's going to get soggy in that as well. I suppose. So, but yeah, it's just it just doesn't belong. Waffles are full. Mm. Uh, they they just they're not as refined as a as a Sunday roast. I don't think. That's no. yeah. That's a weird one. That's a no from me. Yeah, it's a no from me, mate. I reckon it's, <laughs> I reckon it's bloody virtually blasphemous having some of that out on your roast. Yeah. Um, 
we have a message on our chain wrestling facebook page and it's a big big moment for us mags two big social media moments happened for the show this week we had this message on the facebook page which is the first one we have had and that comes from jack purser and he says uh cheese and onion crisps with cucumber in sandwiches and hopefully then it'll be the last facebook uh, <laughs> uh, message that we get because that's revolting cucumber uh, is something i have never ever lacked um yeah just it, it's something i would happily take off a sandwich if it if it comes with it on um cheese and crispy fan but yeah been that been that uh, cucumber i mean even the the like the taste of cucumber water just sends my stomach turning yeah that's revolting you should be ashamed of that i see i don't mind like you get you know cucumber. Well, thanks for listening Thanks yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually a guest on the SJP wrestling pod a few weeks back as well. Um, I didn't wow. realize he I'm had offended your guests. Yeah, that's it, mate. You ain't coming back on that. You, that's it. You, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried. Uh, I don't want a bit of cucumber. I don't want a bit of cucumber in certain drinks. Um, you get like, do you put it in gin and stuff like that? Don't you? Cucumber is that right? Well, you do. People do, not me. Yeah. Um, and they bought a Sprite, bought a, a, um, a, a cucumber. Oh, I mean, I like Sprite as well. It's probably my favourite yeah. drink. And I, would, I bought it, mate, and I was absolutely devastated because I don't want cucumber. I like Sprite, and I thought, okay, I'll give that a go. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to 7-Up now. Sprite can do one. That, mate, honestly, it was the most disappointing thing I've, I've tried. It was, it was rank. It was horrible. Sounds it. um our second sort of social media milestone i guess is we passed 100 followers on twitter this week mags wow we're we're freaking rock stars mate this is what the rolling stones feel like i bet two (laughs) two idiots blathering on about some of the worst wrestling known to mankind and pissing on their pants a hundred people have decided (laughs) that's been the most interesting part of the whole show the fact that you've had a slash on your cat Um, I mean I appreciate it Um, it's so much fun doing this and I'm glad that people are, are having fun tormented us with terrible matches and horrific food takes oh we'll come to that i mean i'm gonna string out the food thing for as long as we can yeah, so we've only got just three minutes left casually mention the match yeah. in passing <laughs> um andy from bang bang podcast brilliant show at bang bang podcast on twitter um it says he used to but i think he probably still does put salsa on digestive biscuits and drink custard out of a wine glass now, the way he's worded that tweet makes me sound like he does that at the same time. So I just got an image of him sat there with a glass of custard and digestive biscuits dipping in salsa. I, I bet you he does that with a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> like, like the Monopoly guy, just like, sipping away is his... I mean, wine glass full of custard, does that make sense? Because surely the, you won't get that much custard in a wine glass. So, and with custard being so viscous, it, most of it would stick to the glass, surely. Perhaps so he's got he, one of those, like, whole bottles in a glass. Yeah, <laughs> and just pours in a full tin of uh, ambrosia. Yeah. So he's got, like, a pint and a half of custard. Do you know what I mean? Fair play. I mean, if you, if you, if you are uh, posh, I mean, Bristol is, 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 it is a posh 
place to live, I suppose. So uh, they do that. But I bet he has everything in a wine glass. Just <laughs> snotty bastard. <laughs> See, I reckon my wife would get on board with that, having um, custard in a glass, because she's like custard crazy. And she'll literally just sit there and eat, you know, have just custard on its own, not not chucking it on a on a cake or anything like that, like sometimes you're supposed to. Do you know what I mean? So I reckon she'd get him. She'd get on board with that. She'd probably actually use a straw, you know. <laughs> I mean, that makes more sense. But like sipping, I, don't, I just don't understand the concept of drinking custard out of a wine glass. But each to their own. I like wine, uh, wine glasses. I like custard, so it doesn't. It does kind of appeal to me. But Salsa it's not something I do. Now that's a weird one. Um, that's not. I used to. Not for me. I used to like cheese with digestive biscuits, uh, but I've never had salsa. But it, I think it'd be something that would work because obviously you've got like the 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 biscuit is is kind of like full of fiber, like almost like crackers or or no. uh, chips. No, he's not having this. <laughs> I'm not having this. I, I'd you get go those with that orange one. Jacobs things, don't you? The boxes at Christmas. I love a cracker, Mags. Bloody mm. love a cracker and a bit of cheese and whatnot. Yeah, oh, right. That's the best part of Christmas for me. Having having a cheese board. Yeah, that but... that and pretzels, man. That and a bag of pretzels. Yeah. Um, you get these like orange Jacobs or whatever. I guess other brands are available or whatever. But you get these boxes and you you know, you open them up and there's all the different crackers in there and there's digestives in there all the time. And that, no, that's a biscuit to me. That's not a cracker. That's wrong. And it doesn't yeah. go, doesn't go I mean, with salt or cheese. I think that's weird. Uh, I mean, I can understand your reasoning, but it's be something that I would be tempted to try, and I think it'd work better rather than just on digestives on on you know those Harvest biscuits. Yeah, they're like the same thing, though, aren't they? Yeah, but they're they're more um, more like a, a darker wheat, so they don't taste like. I mean, a digestive is very, very sweet for a biscuit, so they don't taste as sweet as that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I, I'm intrigued by both of uh, Andy's weird food takes. I'd try, I mean, custard, I know what that tastes like, so that's not a problem, but I would try salsa. It'd have to be a spicy salsa, though, for me. I'm not a particularly uh, cool salsa type of guy. Is he salsa on a cracker? No worries. Salsa on a <laughs> digestive. Have a word with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think this may be the last episode that I'm invited on to Jane Wrestling. <laughs> um... Uh, peanuts in Coca-Cola. We've had suggested by Good Cop, Bad Cop um, at Good Bad Wrestle. Uh, and we've also had Rajo Techers say that this is awesome and a few other people commenting on how much they love having that. That's something I've never had, Mags. Is that something you've tried? No. Uh, uh, Graham and, and, and the lads did a video of, uh, of themselves trying this and it looked as grim as it sounds. It's, I mean... I get the, the the idea, it's the saltiness mixed with the sweetness of, of the cola, but no. Can you imagine taking a swig of a, a drink of cock and suddenly you have to chew down a peanut? No, no, that's not for me. That is Man, I, can, not. I can tell you what, I can beat that, taking a swig of coke and chewing down a peanut, right? When I was a little kid, I was always intrigued on having a bit of my dad's beer. You know, getting him to pour me a little tiny bit out of his can when I was a little and you know? Um, and this one occasion, he said, no, I weren't having then. I don't know if I'd been naughty or my mum had said no. Or I don't know what the situation was. But I can just remember him leaving the can in the kitchen. So I thought, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my bit of beer then. You know, very, very young. I don't know how old I was, but I was very, very young. 
Um, so I went up to it, grabbed it, took a swig, and there was only a fucking cigarette butt and my dad's oh. chewing gum in there as well. Oh, grotty. Like, I still, that to this grotty. day, feel sick about that. That's so bad. So oh. peanuts in Coca-Cola, mate, that, that's, that sounds like nothing to worry about in comparison to my fag and chewing, fag butt and chewing gum exploits. Wow. You know? So, so on to alcohol-based uh, um horrible food takes I have one time do you remember I don't know if uh, our American listeners will know this but there used to be a like a, a cream based drink called Sidekick I don't know if you'll remember it oh that's um, like it yeah uh, so uh, I was, was once at a house party with the missus and she was necking this Sidekick and she said oh do you want some so I thought yeah I'll have a try um, but the alcohol content is not very much in it maybe like 12% or something like that. So me being clever, because obviously I were a party, you have to show off. Uh, I put a uh, pot of vodka in it. Uh, well, it instantly curdled. Oh, like, so you had like all the like the, the 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 curds at the bottom and then obviously the way at the top. So I was challenged to to, to finish it because I'd made the mess. I had to, had to deal with it. And chewing uh Strawberry flavored psychic is maybe yeah. one of the worst things that I've ever had to drink. It was horrific, but I did it because I'm hard. I'm hard like that. <laughs> Hardcore man. I was at a bar somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it was. Like on a football tour with the lads or something like that years ago. And somebody said about this barman said about doing the Bailey's challenge. Have you ever heard of this? Okay. I've not um, heard no, of it. What before or since? To be fair, and it's something kind of similar. And they basically. It, they basically put a shot of Baileys in your gob and then they give for like um you know like the the liqueur bottles that shoot out a certain amount from the little metal spout thing oh yeah yeah they give you like a pouring of lime lime cordial and of course straight away it starts curdling it starts expanding mm-hmm. in your mouth you know so I'd never I, I, I didn't know I'm like yeah of course I'll give it a go you know acting all Billy Big Balls like you know and I ended up just spitting this stuff all over the back of this woman in this pub because it expanded oh, all over, and, I, I, and I'm sort of trying to chew it, and my stomach was going, and eventually, like you know, when you're sort of trying to stop yourself puking, yeah. but you you almost put it under high pressure, and it just ends up firing out. That's what this when stuff you did. try and cover it up with your fingers, and then all of a sudden, instead of one shot, you've got four. Yeah, under pressure, right. yeah. yeah, that's it, and that's what happened. I basically fired this lime cordial <laughs> baileys sludge all over this woman's hair her jacket everything man her fellow was so cross but I, at the time I, I i thought it was kind of funny but it's... <laughs> i mean I, I would i would have certainly laughed yeah <laughs> uh last couple of these then before we actually talk some wrestling mate um our good friend matt matt willis uh marmite mash now this sounds banging to me i'm not a fan of marmite just some something about it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, in in my mash, I'd pr- much prefer um, a spoonful of mustard. But I mean, each to their own. If you like marmite, I suppose it does. It it's not. It doesn't sound horrific because they're both savoury uh, foods. But yeah, I wouldn't eat it. So I reckon that sounds awesome. You know, I'm not a big massive mash fan, but that sounds that sounds really good. Um, Conrad, our good friend Conrad Newton at El Compact Two Newt, uh, says his mum eats toast with strawberry jam and marmite on. 
Well, his mum is obviously a dosser. <laughs> okay. We, we can go all out and try and like just, just annoy everyone again, are we, Mags? We should upset all of our <laughs> well, friends, I, yeah? Again, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's weirder than the, the Marmite and Mash because of the, the sweetness of the jam. But, yeah, um, no, I don't think I'd eat that. That's that's making me feel quite sickly now. There. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll quick fire the last couple then, mate. Uh, Anya Bassett uh, at Anya Nicole underscore 14, who's my eldest daughter, actually, um, <laughs> has said gherkins with mash, sweet corn and gravy. So I, I reckon that sounds all right. I quite like gherkins. I like mash. I like sweet corn. You know? No. Um, no, that's horrific. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um ricky and clive wrestling show uh they like toast with peanut butter and mashed up soft boiled egg that's I don't, that's hor- horrible absolutely yeah, not, horrible. i don't get that either but again i've not I tried bet, it, i bet so. that was clive i bet it was clive. yeah that's right yeah clive yeah yeah but again it's like I, I i say oh that's horrible i've not tried it to say so i don't know but it don't again, sound it, Going back to the uh, MGB uh, guys, um, they um, have a wrestler f- a friend called the Savage Gentleman, and he uh, eats fried eggs with peanut butter, and they tried that, and they all enjoyed it. But yeah, it just looked it looked grim. It looked like when you're on the bones of your ass and you look in your fridge and you've got one egg and a scoop full of peanut butter and you think what can I make with this okay I'm just going to fry the egg and put the peanut butter on top see my oh. go to when I'm skint is um, I, you know I, I say this is for me this isn't for the you know the, the kids and whatnot. they're they're very well fed and looked after don't be calling social services on me or shit <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm like I've got to well. worry about with, with Peter and, and your pissy cat <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Um, I have like a mushy peas, but in a toasted sandwich, because you know, loaf of bread fifty p, tin of peas fifty p, sandwich. You get a couple of meals out of that, can't you? Um, I mean, meals is a stretch, but it can certainly fill your stomach. Um, God, you you must fart like a champ after eating that. Well, you know, champ means I'm top dog at it, so I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, uh, at UTT Rob says he oh. likes everything he eats burnt, or he's very, very fond of burnt food. And the problem, and the thing is, my wife has, has also chimed in on that. She likes everything burnt. You know, she'll cook everyone's dinner, take it out, serve it, put hers back in the oven again to like not just crisp it up, but like burn that, burn it. You know, she, she cooks to, it to to what degree though to like charcoal or just so it has like a a, a really dark color well a bit of both um she put a picture on uh, my wife she put a picture on twitter um in response to utt rob showing these bagels that she cooked not long after they were tweeting each other about this and um the the bagels were very dark and black in places and <laughs> rob was like yeah that's that's lovely i'm looking at the pair of them and i'm thinking why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, toast, I don't mind it being quite well done. Um, in in like, terms of like meat, I like it to have like a nice crust, I suppose, but not not everything like black as a fire back. Mm, no. Yeah. I don't fancy chomping on a bit of coal, what I'm going to chuck under in the barbecue. No. <laughs> 
mean, in 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 within reason, I I would be happy with it. Not everything looks like it's it's dad and been cremated. No, that's right, mate. <laughs> I agree. I don't like that either. So should we just sign that off and say effectively, yeah. everyone who contacts us on Twitter is a freak when it comes to eating. Yeah. A bunch of absolute savages. Absolute <laughs> savages. You, sh- wanna... should, you, should, you should not be allowed to make your own food if you've got takes like the ones we've had, we've just heard today. You should be force fed. You wouldn't want to be like, you know, throwing a party with these people and asking them each no, to bring one for the buffet. I pit at these people's families for having to put <laughs> up with these horrific, horrific food takes. Oh, yeah. It's not good, mate. It's not good. I mean, our little discussion then, um, it's literally just popped in my head, but our little discussion then about uh, your uh, incidents with the the sort of cream drink chucking vodka in it and mine with the Baileys challenge away on in some bar in some city somewhere. Um, should we do drunk stories or drinking stories for next week, Max? How does that sound? Oh, God. I've got some of them. Yeah? If I can remember <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll put that yeah, out on Twitter this week then. But okay, next week then our, our additional topics or whatever match we go to, we'll do drunk stories, drinking stories, uh, funny drunken tales, anything sort of around that. Try and keep them relatively clean, please. I don't want to be hearing stories about people committing, you know, crimes that end up getting us in trouble for talking about them. But um <laughs> well, we'll go with that then, I think. Okay. Um Do speaking it. about crimes that were committed um slamboree 2000 mate should we uh should we cover a little bit of wrestling now no let's just sign off yeah okay well that's the end of this i'm, I'm off to um no never <laughs> um okay so slamboree 2000 ah uh, yes this was a thing that happened it was it was and every time i say the name of the event i can just hear how defeated you are. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I mentioned it on Twitter, people were saying, you should really watch the whole event because at least when you get to the title match, it, you, it, it doesn't look as bad as, as all the crap you've had to sit through before. And then when you see the poster for the show was Buff Bagwell with Kiss Face, you mm. know that you're in for a very, very bad, bad time. Yeah, if you've not um, seen the poster, uh, I'll, I'll tweet it out on on the we'll put it on the um, the show's Facebook as well at Chain underscore Wrestling. But if you've not seen it, um, jump on on your phones or whatever and just Google search Slamboree two thousand. It's it doesn't sell you as being a wrestling event. It sells you as being a completely different type of event. So let's put yeah, it that way. Like Cowboys for Angels, one of Buff's other. Uh, and uh, entries into entertainment. What's that? Cowboys for Angels. Okay, so this is a, a Conrad Thompson uh, story. So basically, uh, if you remember, Buff Bagwell came over to uh, WWE and uh, he has this whole story where he, he thinks that Jim Ross got him fired. Um, so he was on this uh, this shoot interview explaining um, basically what he's done outside of wrestling, going mad about Jim Ross, blah blah blah, and then he he starts pimping this uh, this I want to call it a dating agency, but it's it's more like an escort agency, um, and it's called Cowboys for Angels, and basically you could hire uh, 
Buff Bagwell for some from some time. I don't know if he came dressed as a cowboy or indeed came dressed as an angel. Could have been one or the other. But yeah, he, he was essentially uh, on the game via an escort <laughs> website. <laughs> They also say you don't know if he comes dressed as a cowboy or whatever. I kind, I kind of hope that if anyone did hire um, Mr. Bagwell's services, shall we say, that he's turning up in full gear. He's turning up in the fluffy Astralist hat. Chaps. He's strutting in like he did in, the, in WCW. He's, he's doing his whole WCW gimmick. That's what I want to see. If if people are hiring him for that, that's what, oh why? Yeah, why um, with, with his mum in tour on the top of a pallet on a forklift as well. That'd be fun. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's where we could go after this. You could. Dawn, but you <laughs> could. <laughs> okay. Slumbery 2000. Uh, May the 7th, 2000, from the Kansas City uh, in Missouri, Kemper Arena. Um, just mm-hmm. over 7,000 in attendance, apparently. I would say hardly any of them probably paid at this stage in WCW, let's be honest. No, absolutely not. Um, our friend Michael Buffer was there doing the ring announcing again, which meant that they probably took a big hit on their profit margins, having that fella involved again. But, you know, WCW, none of this makes sense. Um, the situation is, basically... WCW, um, alongside other production companies, have put out a film called Ready to Rumble that I'm sure some people out there will remember, um, starring David Arquette and a few others. Some WCW wrestlers are involved as well. And it's basically a film about two um, sort of misfits, I guess, two sort of clowns, um, kind of similar to me and you, I guess, Mags. Typical Um, wrestling fans. Yeah, who uh, by day their job is to empty uh, portaloos, yeah. um, but by night they're massive wrestling fans and they want to go and see their heroes win matches and get in, they they end up getting involved one way or another. Um, and the the triple cage is used in this film in the in the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's basically where we're at. Uh, the likes of Goldberg and various others were in the film as well. Um, little cameo appearances here and there. Uh, and I also believe uh, a very young, blonde-haired John Cena's in the film as well. Oh, really? Well, what that been in the when in they're all... the when they're all in the gym? Uh, I say, okay, yeah. You can you can see him uh, working out on one of the the benches, I think. Uh, okay, I will have to go back and watch that. Um, yeah, and that's basically where we are. And WCW decides to capitalise upon this and bring David Arquette into um, their television. And on an episode of Thunder, he wins the world title by pinning Eric Bischoff in a tag team match because ultimately this is WCW and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um Max, ready to rumble. Uh, would you recommend that to people you liked or disliked? Uh, you know, I actually really like the film. Uh, I, I, it's not going to win any Oscars or it's not going to make uh, any kind of like thought-provoking ideas, but it's certainly a turn your, turn your brain off uh, and enjoy um, why wrestling fans like wrestling, I suppose. Uh, there's a lot of uh, 
uh, wrestlers, especially from that era of WCW, uh, cameoing in there. I think Oliver Platt, who plays Jimmy the King, uh, he hams it up so good. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. I can't slate the film. I, I can't say I particularly enjoyed the crossover with actual wrestling, but yeah, the film wasn't too bad. So would you prefer the film to what we got in WCW then? Now, taking the match that we're going to uh, talk about in in on uh, in and of itself, I actually enjoyed the match. I don't think it's the worst match that we've we've watched on this show, and it certainly wasn't the worst match that WCW put on. But the whole idea of of having um, David Arquette as a world champion, yeah, that it it just kind of like it made the title seem pointless to me. If um, if you're having having the champion um, be the champion just because you've got some cross promotion with a movie just it it it, it, it kind of takes away the idea that the, the holder of the belt is the best wrestler in the world for me yeah it, I suppose it depends on which on which sort of uh, base you, you, you sort of have your ideas in um, you know you've got some people who say that the championship the belt is literally just a prop so it doesn't matter. Um, and then you've got those who say that every wrestler should be striving to be the world champion, making the belt important. Otherwise, what's the point in tuning in and watching the matches? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the belts are, should be treated with respect. And, and cause I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm, I'm not a, yeah, I mean, Calling a spade a spade, we know that this is scripted. We know that the um, Wait, results what? are. <laughs> we know the results are predetermined. Um, just, just like any kind of uh, TV entertainment, uh, movies, uh, soap operas, anything like that, we know it's it's predetermined. But we 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 kind of like don't acknowledge that because we want to see. Um, a competition. We want to see our favourites reach the pinnacle of being the best in the world. What we don't want to see is that all that kind of like um, mindset blown asunder because they want to promote a movie, so they put in the star of that movie as as world champion. It, it just it blows the whole kind of kayfabe world apart, and and it, yeah, it kind of takes you out of the reason why you watch wrestling in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I got no issues at all with uh, celebrity involvement. I mean, ultimately, it's what the biggest company in the world, WWE, mm-hmm. has been built upon. You look at the first WrestleMania, and then what's happened at the WrestleManias throughout the eighties and, and and up to present day. Celebrity involvement has been a huge part of making that company, and then by I suppose the knockdown effect, wrestling in general, what it is today. Um, Correct. However if a celebrity comes into that world, I don't like if a celebrity beats a wrestler, um, unless it's very well done to give the wrestler an out. Because to me, if you've got somebody there who's going to carry on working as a wrestler and you've got somebody who's been a wrestler previously getting beaten in a one-off by a celebrity, again, I know what you mean. It kind of weakens everything in general and ruins everything you're watching. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I, I've never been a, a huge fan of of um, 
uh, wrestling being used as as a joke for uh, to basically put over celebrities. Um, I, I do get the point of having celebrities in wrestling, and I don't have an issue with that at all. If you, you want to broaden your kind of uh, reach with fans, uh, you want to bring in people who may be uh, a bit disillusioned with wrestling or they've been a lapsed fan, or you want to bring in new fans, I totally get that. that it's going to bring new eyes on, on the product. But the last thing you want to do is have uh, your wrestlers and, and your titles look idiotic because you've spent your time putting that celebrity over who's only in for one or two episodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose, okay, we'll, we'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, the way it was done with David Arquette, I mean, it, hugely criticised and has been, I mean, here we are now, what, 21 years later, and people are still moaning about the fact that Arquette was world champion. Yeah. Um, the way it was done with David Arquette, the very fluke nature of his win, um, literally only, I think it was like a two-week title reign, yeah. um, acting the clown with it, and then not really being involved massively in this match we're looking at until the finish. And they got... It, it was put like a fluke. It was put like an almost an accident, wasn't it? Arquette was in that yeah. position. Now, also, people will argue, I mean, I'm assuming Russo and, and Bischoff might be people who would argue these points. The exposure WCW got was huge. They were they were in lots of magazines, TV programs were talking about it, websites at the time were talking about it. Now, I don't know if that directly related to um to coin tony shivani bums in seats or pay-per-view buys or ticket sales or anything like that i mean i'm assuming it did not looking at the attendances from around that time and looking at how long the company lasted after this event well this was the last slamboree so i think that shows Mm -hmm. less than a year and when did they go march 2001 so what when was this may so you're looking at 10 months potentially yeah ish so um yeah, again, playing devil's advocate, did they try and do this the right way if they were going to do it at all? Hmm. Um, I, I didn't like the idea, uh, but um, I think the way, if you were going to do this, I think the way that they they kind of like laid the storyline out made a lot of sense. Like you said, they didn't have David coming in looking like he could destroy these uh, six-foot-odd, 300-pound wrestlers uh, make them, and make them look like idiots. It was all done baffling. I think he, he defended the title against Tank Abbott in one match, which uh, he fluked because of uh, the help of Pagey. He was uh, basically backstage, trembling in fear, thinking that he's going to get beat up and try to give the back the title. So that part, I think, really plays into it. Uh, if you're going to have a celebrity as a champion, uh, I do like the fact that they they know that they're out of their depth and that, that this is their world. Um, so that kind of did make sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, well, well, we'll get to the match itself, shall we? And have a quick scan through a few things that go on there. Um, in typical WCW fashion, despite this being not as bad as I remember, it's still pretty messy because, again, mm-hmm. it's WCW, it's 2000. It was just the way it was, wasn't it? You know? <laughs> well, one thing that really, and I don't know why I was this bothered about it, but when they were lowering the cage, they played a rip-off version of uh, Firestarter by 
by the prodigy and it was really annoying me um and then i was thinking about all the times that wcw music did rip off other like like um music from mainstream i mean ddp's theme tune was a uh, basically a rip off of uh smells like teen spirit yeah but i don't know why but that it was really pissing me off listening to listening to that music in the background whilst the cage was lowering oh i'll tell you what i got one i can add to that and it's on this show as well or was it on the nitro after because I'm a glutton for punishment, Mags. I watched the episode of Nitro that came after <laughs> this as well. Um, Shane Douglas, the the franchise as he was he was known around that time, mm-hmm. um, he used to come out in ECW to Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. Absolutely storming record. Um, I'm quite a Purple fan, and that record is fantastic. Starts off a bit of a keyboard thing going on, and it kicks in with the. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. If you haven't heard it, everybody, go and check out Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. I think it's 1985 it was released. Brilliant record. Um, Shane Douglas comes out in WCW to a rip off version of that, and it made me want to punch something. You know, it <laughs> it really it really boiled my blood. I was just like, what the hell is this shit? It drove me mad. It was so I can fully sympathise with your Firestarter rage there, Mags. I mean, well. Your rage about the fire start, not fire starter rage. I don't want you to go out and start setting fire to shit. That's not quite what I meant, you know. But it's um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I mean, rage is a strong word. I don't think I was like raging about it, but yeah, it did. It was it were it wound me up. I was yeah. like, why, why, why not just get the rights to the proper song, or don't have the music on in the first place? Because they were even like the music was kind of like going over and above the the commentary, which. I, I mean, argue AW, uh, uh, grief for their uh, production uh, quality when it comes to, to music and, and the commentary. And, and here we are 20 odd years before, and WCW were doing exactly the same thing, even though they've been a company for, for decades before that. Mm. But we spoke about that before, didn't we? Maybe even on um, episode one, all that many, many, many moons ago. Um, they, they hire Michael Buffer, for example, pay him mm. a ridiculous amount of money. And then you can't hear him because Tony Schiavone and the other commentators are talking over the top of him or the music's yeah. too loud or again, just WCW is just a weird, wacky, wonderful place, isn't it? So, Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, when the cage comes down, it looks fantastic. I, I thought it looked brilliant. Do you I thought think? It was a visual. Oh yeah, totally mate. Okay. Totally. I, I mean... thought it was an absolutely brilliant visual and I love the way it was so massive and they have that kind of ramp walkway that I suppose AEW use a little bit as well now, where it's like the raised walkway right up to the ring, so like it goes up to the apron. Um, and they had a little bit cut out, so the cage could drop in. So you still had part of the ramp in the cage. I yeah. thought it was great. I mean, yeah, I get the visual of it looked absolutely amazing. Um, but the, the, the technical skill gone into building the cage, that was another thing that pissed me off. The amount of cable ties holding that case together was unreal. Every single section of it just had hundreds and hundreds of black cable ties holding it together. I mean, if you're going to have a triple cage, at least get a pro- get it welded. I mean, mm. there were there were points in uh, when they were on the bottom layer of the cage when there were th- uh, DDP and Jarrett were throwing each other into the cage, and you could see literally the whole side of the cage just just moving. And it's because they were they weren't they weren't welded together. They were held together with fucking cable ties. Ah, oh, see, I missed that. But now you pointed it out. It did look rickety as hell, didn't it? Mm-hmm. it yeah, 
Yeah, it was just. But again, I do agree with you on the visual. The 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 start of it, like when the camera panned back uh, above the the crowd, the three cages. Yeah, it, it was a cool visual. I mean, with regards to the entrances as well, a um, couple of things that sort of stand out to me that what well, that made me chuckle to be honest. Jarrett, as he comes down the ring, he's interacting with the crowd, and naturally he would just walk along that big ramp straight mm-hmm. into the ring. Um, and as he's interacting with the crowd, uh, it, it cuts to a different camera, but you can still see him on the side. Um, he almost goes to walk into the ring, not realizing, oh, I can't, the cage is there. Yeah. <laughs> and has to jump down and walk around to where the actual well, door he is. Had, he actually had to hold on to the cage to, to go down the steps. I don't know if he was, uh, um, had issues with, with walking down steps, but yeah, it's, it looked like he was struggling. Issues with walking down steps. <laughs> is, is that a common a common pe- a common issue people have? Maybe. I mean, he might have had a, a back injury or he may have had like a, a pebble in his shoe. A pebble in his shoe? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of pebbles do you have in Burnley that stop you using stairs? I don't I'm I'm just surmising. He just, he just, he just, <laughs> maybe he's afraid of hats. Yeah. Well, then, even though then, he did climb on the top of um, two massive cages no I don't think he's afraid of hearts then. Um, yeah he's just has issues walking downstairs he might be like Donald Trump because he has issues walking down inclines I suppose does he? yeah there's a, a famous uh, video of him uh, walking down a, a very slight incline ramp and he's, he's needed to be holding onto a rail and held up by a by one of his entourage Oh, perhaps he's perhaps he's got a pebbling issue. <laughs> or both <Yeah>. shoes. <laughs> yeah, both <laughs> shoes, yeah. <laughs> perhaps his feet are just made of pebbles and he's gonna sort of slight no, never mind. <laughs> um Yeah, Jarrett has a little bit of trouble with the cage and the ramp. Um David Arquette then comes out. Even though he's world champion, doesn't come out last. That bothers me. Um yeah. he looked look like a ridiculous. it looked like a cosplay Elvis, which was absolutely annoying. Yeah, and one of the commentators even says, don't they, he, he looks like Elvis, dead Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that Mark Madden? I think it's Mark Madden that yeah, says that. Yeah, um, DDP then comes out and does the whole um, hands in the air, bang, diamond cutter thing. The pyro How high thing. up were his pants? Yeah, oh yeah, they were like, you know, up to his nipples. Yeah. You know? And they were, and they were like velour. Like, yeah. Weird. Totally. But it's like the pyro goes off behind him and it's not even fireworks or an explosion. It's like a big puff of smoke. It's like someone, and it's like one big one right behind him and the camera angle makes it look like somebody's just lit a fart. But, but you, know? yeah, you go back to Jarrett, um, he obviously does the the, begin, the bit at the beginning where he walks along the, the ramp and, and is like berating the fans. But he gets a massive kind of like load of power when he does his uh, two fingers in the air uh, yeah. uh, stance. But then David Arquette gets nothing, or a, like a, a someone waving a, a sparkler, and and DDP gets smoke. Yeah, you could tell who was definitely the chosen one. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, the match starts off, and Arquette's trying to avoid any form of physicality or confrontation, but gets hit a few times by Jarrett uh, accidentally, where Jarrett's going for um, Page, and Page is moving. Arquette misses the top rope splash that looked like you're probably not the wind out of him a bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and that was incredibly uh, telegraphed because you could see Jarrett uh, like putting his legs up ready to 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 do the sit up, and yet Arquette still went for the splash, which was which was weird. Yeah, yeah, 
Very much so. Um, Jarrett bleeds early. Page is bleeding not long after. Um, oh, I suppose we should say as well, the the three-story cage here, um, the first cage is just a bloody big cage with some ladders in it. And then you've got to get a ladder to climb up a little hole. <laughs> it's like, like you were going into attic to, to like put some stuff up there for storage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, or get some stuff down because up, up there is yeah, Christmas tree, chairs. Christmas tree down. Yeah, get the Christmas tree down. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in this attic, in WCW's cage attic, there's some chairs and stuff like that, isn't there? Because apparently the second cage is hardcore hell, as we keep and, getting reminded. And, uh, for for regular listeners of this show who know that we covered Jarrett versus Chana, which happened uh, a few months before this match. Um, there was a cheeky little uh, kitchen sink attached to the wall of that uh, that second cage. Is like I don't know whether it was a dig at Jarrett or a dig at uh, WF uh, for having the the good housekeeping match. But yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, yeah it didn't get used though. Bit of a shame. Yeah, the wall on the second cage actually comes down at one stage, doesn't it? Like, well, bang you, into it, it's completely you fix some with cable ties. It's going to come down. It's as simple as that. Well, you're just not using enough cable toys. It's just shoddy cable well, toys, mate. This is it. One <laughs> one thing on on when they were in that second uh, uh, section, though, was how brave of both Paige and Jarrett to set a table up and then get hit through that table on something essentially held together by cable ties. Yeah, that that took some bollocks to to put up with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Cornette, sorry, Cornette. What the hell? Cornette come from? That ain't right. Arquette, <laughs> apologies, uh, decides to, he's now going to start joining in. He climbs up into the second cage with his uh, two opponents. Um, but he goes past them and starts trying to climb up into the third cage, which and is... How good of it? how good of it was that, uh, DDP to just move out the way so you could get through the door? Not yeah. like be worried that you're going to maybe lose the match because he's, he's going for the title. Um, yeah, and the whole idea of, of this being a triple threat, but, but uh, DDP not worried about Arquette taking the title was, was weird for me. Mm. yeah yeah definitely um the the level three or the or the third cage was called the guitar room <laughs> the guitar room because guitar it had room. four gu- guitars hung up ridiculous you don't get very good acoustics in there would you <laughs> you know <laughs> um david arquette gets into the cage uh, sorry he goes up above that doesn't he because then it's not just the third cage you've got to get on top of the third cage to get the belt that's hanging down from the ceiling um, so he, he goes to basically guard the belt for DDP, or we or so we think. That's right, yeah. Um, and then Dallas Page and Jarrett are both teetering, I suppose, near the top of the cage, trying to get up there whilst uh, Arquette stood there with one of these lethal silver guitars in hand. Looks like he's going to clobber Jarrett. But, oh, my goodness, swerve, bro. He turns and nails his his buddy, Paige, and Jarrett climbs to the top and wins the WCW World Heavyweight title. Yuck. Yeah. I mean, even just before that, we get Mark Awesome suddenly turning up on top oh of the Oh, my cage God, yes. For, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, 
And I assume there's a storyline reason why he's aligned with Jarrett, but he comes up to attack uh, Paige. What I did like was the, um, uh, there was a, a sequence where uh, Jarrett and Paige both tried to attack each other with one of the guitars and they just basically explored them against the, the cage uh, uh, fence, which I thought was a cool uh, spot. And then DDP hands uh, Arquette the guitar lap. Keep hold of this for me. I'm going to be uh, asking for it back in a minute. And then, yeah, that's what he ends up uh, walloping him with. Yeah, and then we have um, Canyon as well, don't we? It was Canyon who came down to sort of try and nullify Mike Orson, yeah, wasn't well, it? I think uh, Kenyon and Mark Awesome had had a match earlier in in the show. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their beef was, and I'm certainly not going back to find out because I'm really not that interested. But what a bump <laughs> by Kenyon. Um, you could tell he was he was in this to take that bump, and yeah, when he got through off the side of that cage and landed on that ramp, uh, wow, that was that was a cool spot. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things about that spot when he gets thrown from the top and sort of crashes through that ramp. Um, one that's kind of humorous, I suppose, is that apparently, according to Eric Bischoff, all the wrestlers were told backstage where this area of the ramp is and not mm-hmm. to work anywhere near it because it is set to allow Canyon to take this bump. And then um, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, in his match earlier, uh, purposely went out there and started toying with body slamming his opponent, um, Sean Stasiak, I think it was, yeah. on this spot just to try and get a reaction from Bischoff because why the hell not? Everything's all shits and giggles. You know, it's um, just trying to wind him up and, and make him free cake backstage. I mean, that's that's typical uh, WCW. If you remember, there was a the um, when Warrior turned up in WCW, there was a part where he had a. Um, a hidden kind of door in the wrestling ring and yeah. David Boy Smith nearly near enough killed himself because he uh he like basically did, had a uh, moved on on this door. Um so yeah the I don't think wrestler safety is something that the boys back then really did give a shit about. No, no. Um the other side to that is they, they got a bit of negative press, WCW, didn't they? Because this arena, the Kempsey Arena, was it, I think? I'll put my notes away. Kemper, there, but... Is it Kemper Arena? Kemper, yes, that's right. Kemper, yeah. Um, was the same building roughly a year previously that Owen Hart had the horrific fall that le- yeah. led, led to his terrible, Absolutely. terrible passing. And then, of course, they're doing a stunt like this with Canyon. I suppose you can see why people would be a little bit like, well, yeah. does it have to happen, I guess? And and even more um, horrific is the fact that they had the the Owen Hart tribute match with uh, with Brett and, and Benoit. Uh, mm. So then to to basically go and mock. I mean, I, I don't suppose they really kind of give it much thought. But uh, back in hindsight, yeah, it was it was not a good move to to have um, something like that at that arena. Basically, a year on from from when it happened to one of the most beloved wrestlers uh, in the business. That tribute match, um, Hart and Benoit, that was in the same building as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like they didn't know, is it? Do you know what I mean? But again, there we go. WCW, I suppose. Um, After this, (laughs) the following Nitro starts with Paige brawling with people in a hospital and it's, terrible it's it's just awful <laughs> um he ends up with a bedpan of pee poured over the top of him 
Oh, so I suppose in a way, Diamond Dallas Page is, you know, has a similar experience to my cat uh, in this instance, maybe. But there we go. The, um, the, the levels on this show, the, oh, the mate, way we link everything back. It's, it's long-term storytelling. It's, Correct. It's, it's jokes that hark back to the beginning of the podcast. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> The stuff that the stuff that Simon does for content, he's watched a match from twenty one years ago and then retroactively gone and pissed on his own cat just so he can link to how <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page was whoa, feeling. Well, you're gonna the, get me the, in trouble. On the row after. <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble, mate. I peed on my cat first, all right? I did I didn't I had, <laughs> I had seen no, this nitro. Of course you after, did. <laughs> I hadn't seen this nitro until after I pissed on my cat. Oh, that's that, that's a that's a sentence I didn't think I was going to use when I woke up this morning. But there we go. <laughs> um, Bischoff's in the ring on Nitro with the New Blood faction, um, which David Arquette is now apparently part of. And they're all laughing and joking about Jarrett being champion and how they've robbed Paige. And Bischoff basically says, this was our plan all along. Arquette was in on it all along. Swerve, bro. So, yeah, again, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. No, but it was WCW in the 2000s. What do you expect? Yes, worked shoots that nobody understands. Daft, <laughs> daft turns, daft, oh, just, just daft, daft, daft. Um, okay, then, mate. As always, we'll, uh, we'll give this a bit of a rating. Oh, actually, before we, before we do give it a rating... Um, Mr. Meltzer gave this match 3.25 stars, Max. Just for a bit wow. of context on on his um, on his scale. Now I sort of looked at that and thought that seems fairly high. And then I remember mm. WCW at this time was an absolute bloody mess, as we've mentioned once or twice on this episode already. So I went then and looked around pay per views from around this time. <laughs> it, it, from basically the the last year of pay-per-views in WCW, there's only a handful of matches that get a higher rating than this Triple Cage match from Dave Meltzer. Um, Goldberg versus Steiner got four and a quarter stars, which I think was the highest. A couple of others get four stars, but there's literally a, a handful of matches that get a higher rating from Meltzer than this match. Maybe he's uh, took the same advice as what I was given. Uh, watch the whole card, and then you'll appreciate that the the main event wasn't as bad as the rest of it that came before it. So maybe it's it's rose coloured glasses from from uh, Uncle Dave. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, for me, to be honest, I, I enjoyed this a smidge more. Than the Booker T Steiner cage match we looked at in episode one, a uh, similar sort of time period, and it's again a cage match with silly stipulations. The visual of the three cages. I mean, Arquette. Okay, he he's a big wrestling fan, and you know, good luck to the fella, but he shouldn't really have been in that role, which I, I believe he'll admit himself. Um, oh yeah, guess, uh, there was. Um... 
he did interviews afterwards and he said he hated the idea of, uh, he uh, said he didn't want to be the world champion when it was uh, when it was put towards him uh, but Vince Russo was like yeah this will be a great idea good for the company good publicity uh, and fair play to Arquette who's a massive wrestling fan and he's come out in the in the last like, uh, few years and really kind of pushed to be a wrestler um, living his dream good on him uh, he donated all the money that he made uh, in this kind of run with WCW to uh, the families of Owen Hart, uh, the families of Brian Pillman and uh, Darren Drozdoff, the, who was uh, uh, became a, a quadriplegic after a, an incident in the ring. So fair play to him. He took, uh, he basically polished a turd and, and done some good with what, what came out of this. Yeah, yeah, and and somebody did um, message us on Twitter about this and said that we need to watch the documentary. You can't kill David Arquette, which I did um, mm-hmm. uh, last night. And barring one very uncomfortable, well, there's two quite uncomfortable moments, but there's one where he's wrestling an, uh, a very low key backyard indie show, and it's it's not a good watch. That moment there, it's quite uncomfortable. Um, I really enjoyed it. Is it the one where he gets cut with a with a, a light tube? No, that's the second uncomfortable <laughs> moment in the documentary. <laughs> the first one is these these backyard guys who think they're everything, think they're they're solid, and um, he's had an agent, I believe, recommend he goes and works for this company, and he's sold yeah. as he's sold as being that this is going to be there's a big up and coming company on such and such a coast and, and so on. And he goes along and it's basically, there's no one there and it's a backyard thing with maybe 10 lads, I guess in their early twenties, maybe um, doing hardcore stuff and just beating the piss out of each other. And they level the shit out of him and it's quite an uncomfortable watch, but he went through with it because he said he was going to be there. So um, that's not great, but the story, the love for the business he has, he's obviously got, issues dependency issues and mental health issues and so on which he talks about in this documentary but the love that he has for the business is is fantastic and anyone who's got that love and passion for wrestling you know if they get my respect because it's something i love and i'm passionate about too yeah Uh, yeah yeah but yeah like i'm saying but i rate it a smidge above the Steiner Booker T match, um, purely because there's a bit more going on, I guess. So for me, Mags, I think this is a five and a half. Yeah, I mean, uh, taking it out of the whole storyline, out of the whole um, celebrities being the being the cha- the biggest champion in the company, uh, I enjoyed watching it. It was it was fun. Um, DDP and and uh, Jarrett had a really good match. Uh, we we got colour. We got um, the table spot was uh, something I enjoyed. The 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 guitars uh, spot was was cool. Throwing Canyon off uh, off the 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 cage was a was a, a a cool visual at the time. But in hindsight, yeah, a bit a bit dodgy. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's not certainly not the worst thing we've ever watched. So um, I'd go with a five. Yeah. Okay, okay, a five. Um, where do we go from here, my friend? Would you like to Oof. go first or second? Okay, so I'll go first. Okay. So, this is um, an example of wrestling trying to appeal to the mainstream by using um, movie stars, uh, using promotion of, of, uh, of uh, mainstream media, 
Uh, so I thought we'd, we'd kind of keep following down that line. So I want to um, touch on another kind of wrestling-based movie um, uh, done by another company, by the biggest company, by WWF. Uh, if you remember in the late 90s, uh, the late 80s, sorry, um, there was a big push for Hogan to be this kind of crossover uh, star. He was in stuff like Days of Thunder, uh, Mr. Nanny, Suburban Commando. Uh, but his outside the, the I think Rocky uh, was probably his biggest movie role at the time. Uh, but WWE did help finance uh, a Hogan-based uh, movie. And that also starred uh, quite a big name uh, back then and, and certainly a big name uh, over the next few years in uh, Tom Tiny Lister. Uh, he was a character called Zeus. Yeah. Um, and the movie that I'm obviously uh, talking about is No Holds Barred. Um, but in promotion for that movie, I mean, I don't, I don't pity anybody who wants to sit through watching No Holds Barred because it's not a good movie at all. But the WWE or WWF at that time did have a match to promote it, and it was at the 1989 Survivor Series. Uh, we got a four-on-four Survivor Series-style match with the Hulkamaniacs taking on the Heenan family. Oh, is it the... Oh, no, no, it's the, the million-dollar team. Uh, I wish it was the Heenan family, to be fair. Um, so we've got Hogan, Jake Roberts, and Demolition on one side taking on Ted DiBiase, the Warlord, the Barbarian, and Zeus. So that's where we go in. Fuck you, wrestling Twitter. You want to screw me, taking away the the Montreal screw job. Well, this is wrestling Twitter, screwed wrestling Twitter. We are going to watch Hogan and his band of cohorts take on the Million Dollar Dream from Survivor Series 1989. Why? Okay, I thought you were going to go SummerSlam 89 with the main <laughs> event there, um, which is one of my own favourite shows. When I was a little kid, I had it on VHS, and I, I played it to death. With Zeus in the main event there, um, tagging with Savage, if you remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so Hogan's team versus DiBiase's team, was that, sorry? Correct. So Summer, Hogan, Survivor Series, Jake Roberts, 89. and Demolition against Ted DiBiase, the, essentially the powers of pain and Zeus. See, I was going to go down a very similar road, Max, believe it or not. <laughs> I was going to go down a very similar road, um, linking it through films and movies and Suburban Commando. Um, and obviously in Suburban Commando, Hulk Hogan is a hero saving the world from various evilness. Um, something he's got a lot of experience doing max because in 1991 at wrestlemania 7 hulk hogan saved the world from the evil iraqi sympathizer sergeant slaughter there we go how's about that then Do we have two hogan matches on the pole this week you know what it's an ideal time to to put it up if we have to suffer through it wrestling twitter has to suffer through it as well oh my goodness are we actually gonna do it are we really gonna do it this week <laughs> i'm not gonna let's do it my link is much much easier than that um we are gonna go with jeff jarrett and he is literally the link jarrett was in this match and jarrett is in the match i'm linking to and we're gonna go back to july 23rd 1995 
uh, in your house too to see Jeff Jarrett versus Shawn Michaels, which I think is a little bit of an underrated classic there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of hope we go back to Survivor Series 89 because that is something I loved, SummerSlam 89. So that event there, I think I'd really like to go and see. Classic uh, golden era WWF. So yeah, that'd be great. So again, you're... Knowing rest of Twitter, they are going to vote for that one because they hate nasty things. <laughs> like Vince McMahon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> why? Fuck you, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your two choices, which will be up on the poll. Um, normally what I try and do is have the tweets on our social media at chain underscore wrestling uh, with this week's episode there for you to find with the links and so on and then attached to that tweet directly below will be the poll for the next week's topics so look out for it there the options you have are uh team hogan i suppose against the million dollar team um from survivor series 1989 with a great cast of characters there read them out again one last time press max so the the Hulkamaniacs, which is everyone's favourite wrestler, Hulk Hogan, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Axe and Smash of Demolition, taking on the million dollar team of Ted DiBiase, the Warlord, the Barbarian, and Almighty Zeus. Zeus. He passed away recently as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Um, I mean, I, I like the guy. He was brilliant in Friday. Um, Really uh, good in in his spot in uh, Batman. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. Another kind of black movie star who who really adored the wrestling business as well. Yeah, yeah, shame. Quite young as well, wasn't he? Only in his sixties, I believe. I think. Wasn't yeah, he? So, I think. So. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, again, the the options that you have. Um, Summer, sorry, Survivor Series, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Hogan's team versus DiBiase's team, as Mags just listed, uh, or In Your House 2 from 1995, Jeff Jarrett versus Shawn Michaels. You can find the poll um, and the show itself at chain underscore wrestling. Um, That's available on Facebook and Twitter, but to vote in the poll, you will need to use our Twitter account. Um, Yeah, so basically that's, uh, that's basically it for the week again, Mags, my friend. Well, that was something that happened. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Twitter, for, for putting us through that and for doubling down with your disgusting, disgusting food takes. Indeed. How out of my week. Indeed. <laughs> Maybe next week you'll be a bit chirpier, mate, you know. It's a shame <laughs> to be brought down this way by our by our listening public on your birthday, but there we yeah. go. I, I feel like... Um, like Steve off, off Bang Bang, I, I may have to, like... Threaten to to kill some people and get myself permanently banned off Twitter. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, all that's left for me now is to say, please go and like the Facebook and follow the Twitter. Um, send us your feedback on the show. Vote in the polls. Uh, give us suggestions as to where we can go next. Also, next week, I think we're looking at your silly funny uh drinking or drunk stories so get that into us as well uh, at chain underscore wrestling mags where can everyone find you you can find me at DJ kirby where if you go back in time a couple of days from when this was released you can go and wish me happy birthday if you like 
yeah great stuff um and you can find me at sjp words and again one last time the show is at chain underscore wrestling uh i'm off to see if i can take a poo on my dog and i will speak to you all next week see you later folks cheers mate <laughs> <laughs>